For the next few weeks, we're going to hear from the Gospel of John, the resurrection account. We heard it from St. Mark on Sunday, and these next several weeks, we'll hear from John chapter 20 and 21. This evening, our reading is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But, I go, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. People were always seeking Jesus. From the beginning of the Gospel, people were looking for him. Already in John chapter 1, the disciples were looking for Jesus. John's disciples were looking for Jesus. They were trying to find him, and he asked them, Who are you seeking, or what are you seeking? And they said, Where are you going, and where are you staying? So that they could be with him. The disciples sought Jesus, along with all kinds of other people. Already early in the story of Jesus' life and his ministry, there were people who sought to kill him. From King Herod, who sought to kill Jesus along with all the baby boys in Bethlehem, to the Jews, who from the time that they heard Jesus preaching and witnessed him breaking the Sabbath and healing and doing good, they sought a way to kill him. They were looking for a way to trap him. The crowds also sought Jesus, especially when they saw signs, when they received 
miracles from him when he healed their sick or when he fed them miraculously. They followed him wherever he went. And when he left their sight, when they couldn't find him, they went looking for him. They were seeking Jesus. Crowds sought Jesus as well as some foreigners, people from out of town. In fact, this was one of the harbingers of the end of Jesus' life, was that even the Greeks came looking for Jesus. Philip said, Lord, the Greeks want to see you. Everyone was seeking Jesus, but for all kinds of different reasons. And finally, at the last, in the garden, Jesus asks the soldiers, Who are you seeking? Who are you looking for? And they, with some trepidation, answer that they've come to find Jesus. And he says, I am he, upon hearing which they fall down. The soldiers can't bear to have found the one they were looking for. And now today, we hear about Mary Magdalene looking for Jesus, seeking Jesus. Jesus says to her in the garden, what are you seeking? Now, the problem with seeking Jesus on our own terms is that we never find God. We might find something less than what we're really needing, where we might find something desirous, like having our bellies filled or having a pat on the back, but if we are seeking according to our own terms, seeking according to our own will, we will never find God. Instead, we must seek him where he may be found, according to his word and according to his promises. And that's really the problem here for Mary, Mary Magdalene, someone who had been found by Jesus. She's the one out of whom he cast seven demons. She knew what it was to be loved by Jesus, and yet, here she is on the morning of the resurrection, seeking a dead body. She's looking for Jesus, but really what she's looking for is his remains. Which you might put this way, she's, she's looking for a relic. She's looking for some part of him that she can hold on to, something that she can cling to, even if only in her memory, only in what she cherishes in her heart, something to hold on to. Kind of like the way that people often today, now, will keep the ashes of their loved one sitting on their mantle rather than placing them in the ground because they want to hold on to something of someone they have lost. She's looking for a relic. She's looking for a dead Jesus. Now, there's something remarkable that happens in this story. Lots of remarkable things, really. John's gospel is loaded with layers of content. But notice this one thing. It's striking. Jesus is in the garden, and Mary seems not to know that he's there. But when, she, when he asks her, woman, why are you weeping? Uh, she turns around, and she looks at Jesus. They have taken away my Lord... And I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. So she was facing the other direction. And then she turns around and she sees Jesus. But she does not recognize him. She did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she says, Look, if you've taken away his body, if you're the gardener and if you've taken away his body, give it to me. I want that. I want his remains. Tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And then Jesus says to her, Mary. He calls her by name. The very thing that God had promised he would do for every one of us, call us by name. And in calling her by name, when she hears her name on the voice of Jesus, she turns again. Now this is strange, because she's already turned to look at Jesus, and yet it says she turned and says, Rabboni. 
Now, what's going on there, I suspect, is that there's a different kind of turning happening. She turned to look at him with her eyes, looking for a relic of Jesus and not finding it. But now when she hears her name at the voice of Jesus, the voice which can speak into the grave and call out the dead, the voice which can declare the forgiveness of sins because his blood has been shed on her behalf, that voice which knows her by name and calls her by name, the voice that the sheep of the shepherd recognize, when that voice sounds out, she turns, but not physically, not to see something, but in her heart. She turns towards Jesus to receive him, to find him as he is, not as a relic, not as a dead body, not as some remains for her to hold on to, but as he truly is, risen and glorified for her. And that's why he says, do not touch me. It's almost kind of strange. She's reaching out, wants to give him a big hug, wants to hold on to him, and he kind of shies away. Some of the great paintings of this scene in history show Jesus sort of recoiling at her touch. Don't reach out to me. Don't hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to my Father. Even now, in this moment, she's still learning to seek Jesus where he may be found, to hold on to him the way that he will be held on to, not with her hands not in an embrace, not in an earthly and fleshly sense, which was fine for a time while he was ministering among his people, but which is not good enough for eternity because something more than an earthly and fleshly embrace is needed and it is what is given. He wants her to hold on to him by faith, according to his word and promises, according to his glory, for he is ascending to his heavenly Father from which, from the right hand of his Father, he will send good gifts to all the earth. He wants you to hold on to him by faith. He wants you to hear him call your name as he called you in baptism. He wants you to hear his voice, the voice of your shepherd. He wants you to seek him where he may be found. That's what's so marvelous about church. That's what's so marvelous about the scriptures, about preaching, about the sacraments, is that that is where God has promised to be found, where Jesus can be found. When you hear his word, when you eat and drink Jesus' body and blood, you are seeking not relics of a dead Jesus, not remains, not bones laid in a grave, wasting away to dust, but you're seeking the resurrected Jesus, the living Jesus, the Jesus who now lives for you, never to die again, so that you will never die. That's what's so fantastic about the the sight, the scene at the grave. Peter and John come racing and I think it's, there's all these quirks about the Gospel of John. So it seems that the Gospel of John was written by the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who races with Peter. And of course, he's the one who got there fastest, <laughs> the disciple whom Jesus loves. He outran Peter. But he gets to the tomb. They both get to the tomb, and they look in, and they see the garments that covered Jesus, the linen and the cloth over his face, and they see them not strewn about, not cast aside, as you would expect if, for instance, soldiers had robbed the tomb. They see them neatly folded and lying there, placed in a careful spot, just where you might expect them, as if somebody had gotten up in the morning and made their bed and laid their pajamas on their pillow. That's what it looks like. And that's what it is for you. Having sought the resurrected Jesus, not the remains of Jesus, not a dead body, your grave becomes like Jesus' grave, the kind of place where on the last day you will sit up And you will shake the dust off and the sleep out of your eyes and you'll lay aside your grave cloths and you'll fold them neatly and you'll go on your way because you've been risen with Jesus. 
You're not there forever, not to decay, not to be a bunch of bones, not to leave behind some relic for the future as a weak and feeble legacy, but to be raised with him, to live a resurrected life with him. Whom are you seeking? We shouldn't seek anyone less than Jesus who lives and reigns for us, who has now ascended to the right hand of the Father to give us his gifts. Continue with joy to seek him now, for he may be found, and his love and his life are for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.